Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back into Sports Talk. The New Orleans Saints filling out their staff under new offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak, hiring wide receivers coach Keith Williams from the ball way from the Baltimore Ravens. Here to help us break that all down, Jonas Schaefer, who covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Banner. How are you doing today, Jonas? Thank you for the time. I'm doing well, fellas. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? Now, uh, you know, Jonas, when you're looking at uh, developing receivers, how much impact do you think uh, Coach Williams had in uh, developing uh, Flowers? Uh, now, we all look at, oh, you can't flip out in the playoff game and uh, what occurred then. Well, I guess you're trying to make an aggressive play, extending the football. But uh, that was a name we all talked about uh, that it wasn't no, uh, like, okay, slow growth. He contributed at the highest level. Wasn't Odell Beckham. It was uh, Flowers as a Ravens receiver. And then when you look at uh, Steve Hemel, the, the receiver from the Raiders, and, and then who he coached before. Oh, uh, Devontae, Devontae Adams. Adams. Devontae Adams. So look at all that. How much you think his impact and also his individual training, well, like Tyreek Hill, I heard, and different receivers uh, that you attribute to him? Yeah, it, it's tough to say, you know, how much you attribute it to Justin because he was always in like a secondary assistant coaching role. You know, uh, this year he was working under Greg Lewis, who they brought over from the Chiefs. Uh, last two years he was working under T. Martin, who, you know, got moved to quarterback's coach this past year. But, you know, w- what I can tell is that there was great relationships that he developed with, with those guys. You know, we didn't get a chance. Uh, that often to talk to, to Keith because he was in that secondary coaching role. But, you know, I did a story on him a couple of years ago after he got hired. Um, I, I reached out to ESPN to talk to Keyshawn Williams, uh, or excuse me, Keyshawn Johnson, because his son had worked under uh, uh, under Keith Williams at USC, I believe, and he had nothing but, but high praise for him. He, he loved, you know, all the work that, that his son had done under Keith Williams. Uh, he, he was Keith Williams was a lively guy, a great character. If you guys ever get the chance to talk to him, uh, I'm sure you'll you'll love talking with him. He's just a guy who who thinks constantly about the wide receiver position. He, he's very very active, very very energetic, very very talkative at practice. Uh, and I think the guys responded to that. You know, he, he's a guy who's who's very very pragmatic in, in how he goes about thinking about football, but he, he finds ways to connect with guys over the subject. So. I think the Saints have definitely got a, a really, really impressive 
you know, up and coming coach, even though he's obviously been around the block a couple times. Now, uh, Jonas, how's uh, because you look at everyone would love to have uh, the Ravens problem as far <laughs> as uh, by the outstanding in the regular season. If they're not considered the best, either a one or two, but what happened in the postseason with Lamar? And uh, does the Ravens fan base, do they look at, well, they just underachieve? And uh, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but it's like Lamar needs to do Lamar things and what got him there instead of maybe trying to keep pace uh, with Pat Mahomes. Is that a fair assessment? How do you view that? Because, I mean, I think the Ravens did a good job uh, enough defensively as far as look points allowed. And that uh, does the Ravens fan base look at it? Well, uh, I don't know. The Ravens offense uh, then then take advantage of that scenario. Yeah, I mean the the defense. I think they can, they should go into this offseason holding their heads high. Whereas the offense, from you know John Harbaugh as the kind of CEO to Todd Munkin as the coordinator to to definitely Lamar as the the straw that that stirs the drink, should, should definitely be disappointed and. Uh, because that was an underwhelming performance. You know, if, if that defense holds the Chiefs to 17 points, then then you should feel like that gives you, you know, every right to be in the Super Bowl. But they come up short. That, that's that been the problem for Lamar. That's been the problem for this offense. You know, it seems like every time they're knocked out, they're held to what ends up being a season low or, or you know, close to a season low for points. Lamar, you know, it's it just time and time again when he gets into the playoffs, he you know, more often than not, finds a way to, to put the ball in danger. You know, his turnover-worthy play rate skyrockets once he gets into the postseason. That happened again against the Chiefs. So, you know, credit to them for, for finally breaking through that divisional round barrier that they'd been bumping up against, the, you know, the previous couple of years and getting to the AFC championship game. But still, uh, I think, you know, you talk to coaches, you talk to players, uh, you even talk to, you know, Chris Jones. Everyone thought that the Ravens were the best team in the NFL, and for them not even to get the chance to go to the Super Bowl, a uh, huge disappointment. I think everyone would, would reckon with that fact uh, pretty honestly. Well, now, uh, Jonas, uh, look at Monken. I think he did an outstanding job. Uh, but why, if you have the number one rushing attack, and um, how can you have a game where your running backs only have six attempts? I mean, it's not like you're losing by two or three touchdowns or double digits. Right. I mean, the game's right there. I mean, I know the fans in Baltimore have to be saying that. What in the hell was this strategy? Yeah, that that was pretty much all. Anyone, uh, you know, with a microphone, with a with a, with a pen and a pencil, with, with with a laptop, was talking about for the the, the first week after that uh, after that loss, and still talking about it to this day. I mean, we haven't gotten Todd Munkin uh, at the podium since before that game we probably won't get him until the draft so all, all we can go on is just what we have glimpsed from film study what we've been able to get from john harbaugh from what we've you know, been able to get from players and you know it's it's not a simple there's not a simple answer to it there, there were plays in there where lamar jackson had the the you know the reins and he makes the decision on rpo to to pass the ball rather than running the ball that there were, there were situations there where game flow wise, the Ravens are running their four minute offense. And that means that there, there's not a lot of, you know, optionality to, to, to get into a run call because they're trying to score quickly. And there were times where simply, you know, they, they had light boxes and they had the option of running into the chiefs 
you know, pretty disappointing, underwhelming run defense, and they just decided not to. And, you know, on the plays where the Ravens did run the ball, uh, the Chiefs did a good job of stopping it and maybe discouraging Todd Munkin from doing that, you know, later on where, you know, it was advantageous to run the ball. So uh, there's still, I think, a lot of disappointment and, you know, acrimony towards Todd Munkin for not running the ball as much as they probably should have against a not great uh, Chiefs run defense. But, uh, you know, we haven't really got the chance to talk to him and, we probably won't for a couple of months, and maybe by then, the uh, some of those, uh, you know, bad feelings will have blown over by then. You know, Jonas, I'm always intrigued with um, who's perceived as the best, and um, I'm just looking at my track record. For instance, I played Joe Montana 11 times. I won two times. Uh, but then Steve Young's a Hall of Fame uh, 49er, so maybe I'm going back to USFL, NFL. I'm like five and three. But then you look at, like, uh, Joe Montana. You look at Tom Brady. Uh, you look at uh, Pat Mahomes. Are you buying into, like, Pat Mahomes truly has that mystique? Uh, because you look at it in a short time span. And, again, I'm going back to, like, uh, I'm not even going back to, like, Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach. And all. I'm going like Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and what they did with the Patriots, and now Pat Mahomes. I mean, do you buy into that mystique? Because, um, you know, you look at Lamar uh, now. Uh, so what is your take on that, that uh, Pat Mahomes is that uh, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, you look at Vegas, you bet against Tom Brady, you lose money. You bet against Pat Mahomes, you lose money, whether you take in the point spread or whatever. So what's your take as far as how you view that? Yeah, I mean, the uh, I'm sure I'm not saying anything original here, but the, it seems like the, the word now that everyone associates with Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs is inevitable. And, uh, you know, even when the Ravens were favored by, what, four and a half points going right. into that AFC Championship game, there was this sense that because, you know, even though Lamar was the future MVP, even though the Ravens had, you know, a, a really highly regarded coaching staff with Andy Reid, with Patrick Mahomes, there was no stopping them. Well, once they got to a certain point in the game and, you know, whether that was 14 to seven or 17 to seven, it just felt like the Ravens kept on, you know, getting themselves into trouble, especially on offense. You know, it was interesting to hear Lamar when we talked to him before the game, say that he didn't like going up against Patrick Mahomes, but he you know, said that with a kind of a twinkle in his eye because he knew just how, good Patrick Mahomes is and just how, how tough it was to beat the Chiefs. And you wonder, you know, if that creates a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy where Lamar and other quarterbacks, you know, of this era go into these games feeling like all the pressure in the world is on them to go out and play a perfect game where, you know, if you, if, if Lamar had gone out there and even been average, if Brock Purdy had even been average, uh, we'll probably talk Josh about Allen? a different Super Bowl champion. You know, uh, Jonas, when I look at it, okay, because uh, they look at the Pat Mahomes effect. I look at Josh Allen, and then you look what's, uh, what's occurred uh, with Lamar in, uh, in Baltimore. You know who's under the radar right now because they've definitely underachieved. I don't know if you agree with this. I'm just talking because we always look at, like, look at the Houston Texans and what occurred there with D'Amico Ryans and all of a sudden C.J. Stroud, how they come out from nowhere. I'm telling you, watch out 
uh, you can remember Jonas this conversation I'm having with you in late February. Watch out for Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert. You talk about underachieving, and they won five games. You want to talk because you always have a team that okay they didn't do crap uh, the year before, and maybe their head coach held them down. I would be shocked. You might not agree with this. I'd be shocked if the Chargers don't have success. Yeah, I mean they they were hanging with the Ravens for for a little while when when the Ravens were, you know, regarded as a top five team. Uh, you know, a couple months in the season. I guess the only thing that I would I would push back on, and I, I love Justin Herbert's potential. They, they've got some, you know, obviously some impressive draft capital. Is that they are in salary cap hell right now, and so some of these guys who, you know, we might be counting on, or the average right. NFL fan who doesn't have a lot best interest in the Chargers might be counting on to make a an impact next year is it might not be on the roster next year. You know that, that they are really tied up with a lot of bad contracts and. And if that means parting ways with a, a Khalil Mack or a uh, you know Keenan Allen, then that's going to make success at least immediately in 2024 pretty difficult. But Jim Harbaugh's won everywhere he's gone. They, they've, they've you know stolen a couple nice uh, you know proven pieces. In fact, a couple with Ravens ties. Joe Ortiz obviously is a new GM here They're over there in LA after spending a couple decades here in Baltimore. So Jim Harbaugh knows what it takes to be successful. Um, and, and it might be that they turn things around pretty quickly this next year, but they're, they're going to have to make some, some magic happen with that salary gap because otherwise uh, it, it could be a while before they're actually back in the Super Bowl next. Now, uh, Jonas, when you think about that and you bring up that name, uh, Harbaugh, if you follow football, and then you look at like uh, they played face-to-face in a Super Bowl. Uh, it was right here in New Orleans. Uh, it was like basically a, a decade ago. Uh, yeah. Jim and John Harbaugh. When you, when you look at that, it's almost like right here in New Orleans, you got Archie Manning, but you got Peyton and Eli Manning. When you look at names and, and, and pro football, I'm talking about the highest level, not now was a successful college player or I uh, you know was involved in, in football throughout my life. When you look at best of the best, does it get any better when you talk about the quarterback position and how that's put to the forefront than the Mannings in the coaching profession when you got brothers like Jim and John Harbaugh. And uh, they're always relevant. Uh, is that, to me, okay, you have to look at, you might have one individual, uh, I don't know, might be a cousin or somebody, but when I talk about like brothers and uh, the father figures and all that, it doesn't get any better to me than the Harbaugh's and the Mannings as far as quarterbacks and coaches. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I can't think of, I can't think of anyone who comes close. I guess you could go with, you know, Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan, but, you know, Rob Ryan never really got to the They, they never won anything. No, the, yeah. no, and, and I love, I played against Buddy Ryan. But, no, they were always relevant. But boy, they, they didn't win nothing. No, no. And, and what's cool is, you know, we, we might get John Harbaugh versus Jim Harbaugh uh, on the Thanksgiving Day game. Right. You know, oh, that'd be season. awesome. Yeah, they, they, they did a – it would be out in L.A. Uh, I think it was maybe the first season that Jim Harbaugh was the coach of the 49ers. The, the NFL schedule makers had the Ravens play the 49ers on Thanksgiving Day in Baltimore. So with them playing, with the Ravens and Chargers set to meet in 2024, it's certainly possible that that, that could be a, a primetime game. It might not be Thanksgiving Day. Maybe it's you know a week one game. Maybe it's a Sunday night. Night, or Sunday <laughs> night game. But it, it could definitely be a game that, considering – 
you know, the, the brand value of Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. It, it frankly, would be surprising if that game gets buried on a, you know, one o'clock early afternoon game slot. Now, uh, Jonas, uh, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong or anyone uh, could text or call in and, and say like, does Jim Harbaugh, does he really look California to anyone? I'm like, he's so Midwest to me, but look at his success. Okay. I was at the Michigan Panthers in the USFL, and he was the quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines with Bo Schembechler. And then all of a sudden, the first time I ever met Jim Harbaugh in 1983, and we were going to practice because the Lions kicked us out because we started winning. So we going to the big house, and Anthony Carter called Bo Schembechler. So we 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 able to go to Ann Arbor and to have practice. So I never forget that. So I remember Jim Harbaugh. But he seemed, and his dad, and all, he seemed so Midwest to me. But then you look what he's done. He's as much California as California can be. Look, University of San Diego, and he made Stanford a tough team. The Stanford, they used to be the Indians, and now what, they're the Cardinal and all that? He made Stanford relevant as a tough team, and then what he did with the 49ers. So I think Jim Harbaugh, even though you think he might be kind of blue-collar Midwest, he has a lot of California ties on what he's been able to accomplish at the highest level. Not only University of Michigan. You know, people don't realize that of uh, the success that Jim Harbaugh has had in California. Yeah, but you, you also you think about who were the big dogs on that coaching staff, and it's Greg Roman, who's as, yep. as, as Midwestern as they get, you know, a John Carroll, you guy, uh, you think of who's that defensive coordinator. It's, it's Jesse Minter, who, who I believe, you know, comes from that Cincinnati area and obviously was the defensive coordinator at, uh, at Michigan, uh, you know, following the footsteps of Mike McDonald, who's obviously gone on to bigger and better things with the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. So even though he does have those, you know, experiential ties to the California coast and, uh, you know, obviously has done great things when he's been a coach and a player in California. I still think that philosophically he's still very much a Midwestern guy at heart, just based on, you know, who he's hired and, and kind of who he's hitched his wagon to. Yeah. He's bringing the Midwest to Cali. Uh, that's what he's doing. <laughs> Jonas, before we let you go, I was wondering, saw a report from Bleacher Report. It's speculation season, and they had an article having Alvin Kamara getting traded to the Baltimore Ravens. Just curious from your aspect of things, would that be something the Ravens would even be interested in? The compensation that was mentioned in the article is absolutely ludicrous, though. They said a seventh-round pick from Baltimore for Alvin Kamara. Seventh-round pick? Uh, Jonas, I can tell you, you put Alvin Kamara (laughs) with Lamar Jackson. Oh, my God, your RPOs? Uh, listen, it'd be like the second coming East Coast of Christian McCaffrey with the Ravens. I'm a big, uh, uh, come on, Alvin Kamara fan. And listen, I, I think uh, Christian McCaffrey has uh, been able to go to a different level from Carolina to 49ers. You have to look at the supporting cast. Alvin Kamara, as of late, the supporting cast of the Saints, not so much. But you get him with Lamar Jackson, I don't know how Alvin Kamara would not be successful. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the uh, the wrinkle there. Is like, <laughs> what running backs next to Lamar Jackson wouldn't be successful? Right, right. I mean, just, just looking at the uh, the financials, I have a tough time seeing the Ravens spending $10 million in salary on a running back, guys. So that's that just maybe an honest. I know, like, you know, that makes sense. Has, has been banging the uh, 
banging the drum for Derrick Henry, being you know spiritually a Raven, and how great would he be? Two thousand yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just have a tough time. You know, uh, it, it's interesting that you bring up Kamara and you know, kind of veteran running backs coming to coming to Baltimore because I, you know, Matt Miller for ESPN NFL Draft Guru had a teleconference and I asked him whether he saw the Ravens, you know, being better off spending money on a veteran running back or a you know, spending draft capital on, you know, a day two, day three running back. He said, you know, why not both? And that that may be the case because the Ravens are definitely kind of refreshing their, their running back room. But I feel like it's more prudent for them to, to spend draft capital on a young running back who doesn't have that kind of tread on the tires. And, you know, I think if you see Alvin Kamara end up on a new team, I don't know if his value as a pass catcher would be maximized in Baltimore because Lamar, for all of his many benefits, just doesn't throw that many checkdowns. He doesn't throw those kind of short, you know, gimme throws that, that Alvin Kamara has thrived with in New Orleans with, with all the various quarterbacks that, that he's, you know, caught passes from. So maybe, you know, coming to Baltimore could open up a new part of the Ravens receiving game, the Ravens passing game. But I think probably he would be, you know, maximized elsewhere if we're talking about, you know, what, what teams or quarterbacks could make the most or make, you know, could, could make the most of his talent as a kind of dual threat option in these offenses. Gotcha, Jonas. Definitely appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Enjoy the quote-unquote offseason right now. I know the NFL Combine cranking up next week. It always seems to be something. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Jonas. Thank you. Jonas Schaefer, Baltimore Ravens writer for the Baltimore Banner. You can check out his work there. Uh, Some stuff on Keith Williams you might want to read up on. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.